There are more than a few sections of Scripture that teach about Judgment Day. They have recurring themes, and yet each of them seems to shed light on a piece of, a little different piece of Judgment Day. And that is true of this uh, section in Matthew chapter 25. These are Jesus' words as he instructs us about Judgment Day, and there's particular pieces to this that will serve us well for learning about Judgment Day today in today's sermon. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Receive your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. We're tired of bullying. We're tired of extremists targeting ethnic groups or social classes or, or people in one category just for the fact that they're those kind of people. We ourselves at some point have probably been victims of unfair, unjust, or even ungodly criticism or condemnation. And so, we might say along with the world, no judging. Let's just be done with with judging each other. And let's just live in peace and harmony. I mean, can we just let people be people and do what they want and behave like they want and believe what they want? Can't we just let people choose the lifestyles they want and leave them alone? They're not hurting anybody. And then we apply that desire for no judgment. Then that's a a social viewpoint, right? That's a social, relational viewpoint. Then we apply that to God. 
he always gets pulled into the mix, and we say, you know, now that we're thinking of it, we don't want a God who, who in any way, shape, or form creates any kind of victims, who in any way, shape, or form um, has to uh, create a verdict of some kind for what people believe or who they are or what they do. Let's just have a no-judging God. And we clip the nails of the lion and we turn him into a nice, tame, furry little kitty cat. Today, Jesus tells us that's a bad idea. And not only is that a bad idea, it certainly is, doesn't represent the true God. And not only is it a bad idea, it doesn't re- represent the true God, but it, where there is no judgment, there is no hope. I'm going to unravel that statement the rest of the sermon. But we have to understand the value of judgment. And when we, when we eradicate judgment altogether and just try to leave the slate clean, oh man, that does not work and that does not give us any hope whatsoever. So let's see what Matthew 25 and what Jesus say about no judgment, no hope. Judgment Day is one of those church teachings that, uh, and then Bible teachings that has a bad rap, right? People kind of like just to put it in the corner and not, not worry about it. And actually, the Bible says the opposite should be true. The Bible says, don't put it in the corner. As a matter of fact, be ready for it. Talk about it. Uh, so the ancient church decided that it was a good idea to be talking about it. And so what, what, it's one of the main teachings of the Bible. They didn't put all the teachings of the Bible in the creeds, but they, they put the main ones. And Judgment Day is one of the main teachings of the Bible that the ancient church put into our creeds. We say it in the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed, right? Jesus will come to judge the... Say it so the people watching online can hear you. Jesus will come to judge the... Very good. Jesus will come to judge the living and dead. That's Judgment Day. Judgment Day is the last day of this world's existence. These are all scriptural teachings, right? Gravity will end. All natural laws will end. There will be chaos in that sense. The Bible says the sun and the star and stars and the moon will fall from the sky. Heaven will roll up. The, the atmosphere will roll up like a scroll. The, it's going to be chaos on this planet as this planet is finally burned and destroyed and done. And on that day, will be the day of the final verdict of all people. That's why it's called Judgment Day. Final verdict of all people. Jesus talks about that now in Matthew chapter 25. He refers to himself as a son of man that he so often does in his teaching. We'll talk about that a little later. And here's what he says in Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. I'm going to break that apart a little bit for you, and we're going to focus on some key phrases and words that Jesus includes in there as part of his teachings to us about Judgment Day. Right. So keep your eye on the screens or uh, at home if you're looking at this. It's Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 33. There's a few important things there. First of all, this, Judgment Day is real, all right? I've had friends and people tell me that Judgment Day is a made-up teaching of the church to guilt people 
into being motivated to being good. You can think of it what you want, but it's, it's not a fairy tale, and it's not a myth, and it's not something we make up. It's very real. But it, it is true. It's not meant to guilt people to motivate them to be good. Right? You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ is coming to town. Okay? We, we don't use Judgment Day in that way. Uh, but it is real, and Jesus says it. Right? So now he's going to show up, and it's going to be a day of transition. It's going to be the, an end and a beginning. Right? The end of this planet as we know it and the beginning of a new paradise in heaven where everyone will be there. Right? The souls of believers who have died are already in heaven, but not their bodies. Their bodies are still on this earth. On Judgment Day, the bodies are going to join their souls and all the living people will be divided between two groups. We're going to get more about that later. So that's what's going on on Judgment Day. Um, what is it going to look like why is it important? Look at what Jesus says. Uh, he's going to come in his glory. Okay? Jesus is not going to come as a fuzzy, cute, house-tamed little kitty cat. Jesus is going to come as a roaring lion. And he's in charge. As the lion, as the king on the throne, he's in charge of the sun of the stars, of the moon, of all evil, of Satan himself who will try to wreak havoc on this day. Jesus is in charge. He's in his glory. He has his full powers, his full authority. That's what that means. And who's going to be with him? His 12 disciples? Some singing happy children? That makes for a good promo if he's making a, an, a commercial. Right? Who's with him? All the angels. These are the most powerful beings in the universe. And not just the big names, not just Gabriel and Michael, right? Every single one of the angels whom God created is going to be returning to this earth with Jesus when he comes in his glory. All of them. And then, what's Jesus going to do? He's not going to sit in a circle, cross-legged, with other religious leaders discussing different opinions about religion. And we know that because of the word Jesus chooses here. He says that Jesus will come, he will sit on his glorious thrones. In a functional kingdom, there are not Two thrones. I know there's co-regency and it just doesn't work. Co-monarchy, it, it, it just it doesn't work. Right? There's always one, one alpha <laughs> leader. It, it just, in a functional kingdom, there is one throne. Not two, not twelve. Not a circle of them. When Jesus pictures himself coming on Judgment Day, he is sitting on the throne. He is in charge. And as a ruler, he's making a ruling. He's making a judgment. On whom? All the nations will be gathered before him. That means all people from all places, all ethnic groups of all time in all of history. Nobody escapes Judgment Day. Nobody is missed. Nobody is forgotten. I used to think as a kid, I had my bedroom was in the in the basement up north. We have basements in my. Uh, my bedroom, I slept in the basement. It was nice and dark and cool and awesome place to sleep. But I was, when I was a kid, I worried that if I were down there and Jesus would return, he wouldn't know I was down there and he'd forget about me. Um, that was silly. Jesus won't, 
he won't forget about anyone. The Bible says every eye will see him, including my eyes if I had been sleeping. Somehow, someway, I would have visibly seen Jesus return. I wouldn't have missed Judgment Day. You won't either. Nobody will miss it. Nobody will bypass it and, and skirt around and follow some little angel and put little wings on and fly to their own personal paradise or their own planet. Not going to happen. All the nations will be gathered. And look at this judge language before him. Right? When, when the Bible talks about Judgment Day, there, there's a judge and he's at the bench. And like typically a judge sits, elevated above you, looking down at you, and the judge isn't before you, you're before the judge. Jesus is the judge, and he's in charge on Judgment Day of all nations. Now, this is the fun part now. Pay attention here closely, because this is where we have to practice good Bible study. Now there comes into this, what Jesus is talking about, a, a metaphor where he uses a figure of speech like a little mini parable. And you have to pay attention to this when you study your Bible, because it, it tells us uh, details in the story that aren't actually things that are going to happen. They just are teaching tools for other truths that are real. So what's real and what's fable or fairy tale? That's what we have to figure out when Jesus uses a metaphor. But it's very easy if you usually pay attention. So we're going to pay attention and see that Judgment Day itself is not a metaphor. It's not a figure of speech. That's real. Jesus is not a metaphor. Everything we've covered so far is before the metaphor. But now here comes the metaphor. See if you can find out when it happens here. Okay, there's a big, huge word that indicates that's the red flashing sign that this is a metaphor. See if you can see what that word is. Jesus will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Okay, did you catch the... The metaphor clue is the word as or like. Right? It's going to happen. It's going to look like, and then sheep and goats. Right? This is not Noah's Ark. There's not going to be animals lining up on Judgment Day, sheep and goats. But Jesus, Jesus used that similarly, that, that metaphor, to teach us this. Uh, in those days, shepherds at nighttime, if there were sheep and goats hanging out during the day together, the goats tended to be uh, kind of promiscuous troublemakers. And they, uh, they, they kind of got the sheep in trouble, and the sheep would follow the goats and then get lost or, or dead, and that really wasn't a good idea. So at nighttime, the shepherds would separate the sheep from the goats. They'd put the bad-behaving goats in one area, leave the, the nicely-behaving sheep in another area, and everything was good. That's the picture now that Jesus uses to really teach this truth. How many groups will there be on Judgment Day? How many groups will Jesus divide all the nations who are before him? He doesn't say sheep, goats, turkeys, aardvarks, elephants, and worms. It's two groups, sheep and goats. On Judgment Day, there's going to be only two groups, two eternal destinies, that's it. Right, the book of Daniel, I read, we read from that before. It goes on to say this. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life. Others to shame and everlasting contempt. Now let me tell you why it's so important 
for there to be judgment and not no judgment. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you understand how important this is by asking you a question. Which group will you be in? Sheep or goats? It's only, there's only two choices. Right? Good behaving, bad behaving. Eternal life, eternal condemnation, punishment. Do you know which group you will be in? Do you kind of hope it's this group and not that group? Do you have absolute confidence? And if so, how? This is where it's so important for God to be a judge and for there to be judgment and justice in God's plan of redemption and salvation for the world. This is why you should be glad that you have a God who's not a fuzzy, cute little kitty cat, but a roaring lion with claws and teeth. Based on this question, what group will you be in? Let me put it this way. You're at work. Your supervisor comes in and says, you know, we're going to demote you to a different department. Or you're on the team and the coach comes and says, I, I think what we're going to do is we're going to put you uh, on the third string and take you off the first team and put you on the third, third team. Don't, wouldn't you wonder why? Right? Why? What's, what's the basis for this? Did I do something wrong? Did I not perform in some way? Did I make someone angry? Did, what, what's, is there someone else now who is better than I am and they're, they're taking my position on the team? I didn't know about it. What, why is this happening? Tell me why so that what would you want to do? You'd want to assess a situation, fix it, and get back on the first string or the first team, right? You want to assess the situation and uh, get your job back. Get back into your your department, your position. Even Even think about maybe a possible promotion in some way, but your boss, your supervisor, your coach, your teacher, when you say why, says this. Eh, I don't know. We just wanted to shuffle things up a little bit. What kind of confidence does that give you about your future on that team or that company or that department? How does that leave you as far as wondering how to perform? Eh, we, eh, no criteria, no judgment. We just decided to shuffle things up a little bit. Well, then why should I perform? Maybe, maybe I'll catch the luck of the draw next time because if there's nothing that notices my performance, if there's no standard, if there's no even statistics for our team, then why? Why should I? And then I don't know. Then I don't know my, my future for that team. I don't know my future for that company. Uh, here's the good news. There, there is judgment. And we know what it is. We know the criteria. And we know the conclusion. And therefore, we know how to behave today. And we know what our eternity is going to be because God tells us and He's a judge and it's not up to us. Our God is not a God of no judgment. If there's no judgment, Believe me, something's going to fill the void. 
Because there's always judgment. There can never be no judgment, ever. In our, even in our world, I'm going to show you how that doesn't work later. But even spiritually, there cannot be no judgment. If we worship a God who, is, who, is, who has no judgment, we're going to fill that void, and, and one place we might fill the void is by judging ourselves. Newsflash. None of us judges ourselves 100% accurately ever. Others can help. They might not be 100% accurate either, but they're usually better than we are. None of us judges ourselves accurately. We do it unfairly, either too, too good or too poor. One way or another, we don't judge ourselves properly. So what if I judge myself? There's no judgment, but, but I, I judge myself and I think that I'm, just the, I'm a super saint and I don't need Jesus and I got it all in control and then ju- the real judgment day happens when there is real judgment. That then I'm eternally punished without a Savior for my sins. Or what if I judge myself and I, and I, I feel like I'm a loser, and I deserve to be judged. I'm an unworthy sinner who deserves to be punished, and I hang my head in shame, in self-despair, and I live my life that way. What What a waste. There is a judgment. There is a judge. We know who the judge is. We know the criteria. And the judge is not you. And the judge is not your conscience. And the judge is not your mother. Not your boss. Not your coach. Not your spouse. Not your pastor. Not a little black book. Not religious rules. Not your friends on social media. Not you. Not your conscience. None of those are judge. Jesus is the judge. That's what's important. And you know the verdict, you know the criteria, you know the conclusion. And so here's the deal. It boils down to this. Which group are you in? If you believe in anything or anyone else being the judge other than Jesus, you will be judged and eternally condemned. If you simply believe that Jesus is the judge and He deserves to be because He's God and He presides over Judgment Day and He has criteria that must be met and He's in charge, you will have eternal life. Simple as that. Now I want to tell you why you would want to believe that. Why you'd want to believe uh, Jesus to be the judge and give Him credit and give Him authority that He has. Why that's important. So let's talk about a past judgment. Uh, in, in this teaching from Matthew 25, if you paid attention, Jesus used some different titles for Himself. And those are very important when we consider who's, who's judging and what it's all about, okay? 
Some of the different titles that Jesus used for himself as he told about this, king, and then the groups, when they reply to his statements, call him Lord. Jesus is the king of all kings and Lord of all lords. He's the judge on judgment day. He's sitting on the bench looking down at you. He's in charge. But he's not just in charge of you. He's in charge of everything. Your sins, of death, of Satan, of guilt, he's in charge of it all. All right? Now, if it were just those two names, we might be a little more scared than we should be, but we might be scared. But he also uses two other names or titles for himself. Did you catch it in Matthew 25? Son of man and shepherd. So he is and remains and always will be king of kings and lord of lords. And he remains and is and always will be son of man. Right? That's kind of relates to son of God, except different. When he uses the phrase son of man, he's saying, I'm, I'm one of you. I came here and I became a human being and I experienced what you experience. I know what temptation is. I know what, it, what it's like to feel sad and overwhelmed. I know those things. I've walked in your shoes and I'm still even a human being. Jesus to this day and on judgment day is human. Son of man and shepherd. Shepherds take care of Sheep who can't take care of themselves. Jesus on Judgment Day is a shepherd. He's going to take care of us when we're sleeping in our basement bedroom and we don't know it's Judgment Day. He's going to make sure that we don't miss it. Jesus will shepherd you on Judgment Day. You're not going to stand in front of three doors and, and, and St. Peter in the heavenly gates is going to say, which door do you pick? And you're going to pick the wrong one and fall through a trap door and, and go to hell forever. Right? Jesus will shepherd you on Judgment Day and guide you and get you to the right place. Those four names together mean simply this. The judge has come down from the bench. The king has stepped off of his throne. Not to exert his authority, his rules, not to pound the gavel of guilt on your head instead of on the, on the bench. He's come down to come close. Emmanuel, God with us. To be with you. To forgive you for sins he knows full well. Not because he committed them, but because he took them. He came down from the bench and he's not looking at you as judge anymore. He's looking, as a matter of fact, I'd say even more than coming down from the bench. He, uh, and to be equal or peer, he, he came down to be lower than you and look up at you as you look down at him. And he's suffering for your guilt and for your shame. And, and Jesus became the scapegoat for the goats. And Jesus became the sacrificial lamb for the sheep. And Jesus suffered the judgment that you and I would suffer one day on our own, because of our sins and our guilt, we would suffer it. And Jesus took that verdict, that sentence, in your place once and for all. You see, you have already experienced Judgment Day. It's done. The verdict already has been made for you 
on that day when the Son of Man and the King of Kings hung on a cross and said, It is finished! And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit and died. The judgment is done. You've already been judged. The verdict is in and it's complete. That's the past judgment. And that's how the judge came off the throne and the, and the, er, and the judge came off the bench and the king came off the throne. Uh, take, take heart in that. Your judgment is done. You don't need to fear some kind of weird, unspecific, vague, who's in charge judgment on judgment day. It's the, the same one who was on the cross for you will be sitting on the throne on judgment day. Sitting behind the bench on judgment day. And don't be surprised if he gets down and like that picture we looked at earlier and leaves the bench and leaves the throne and gives you a hug and says, I'm glad you're here. So, let's tame the talk about no judgment. Okay? I'm going to give you a present day example of that and, and how that doesn't work. Planet Fitness is a gym that has created a philosophy and a brand for being a no-judgment zone. They use that term, right? We're the gym where you can come and be in a no-judgment zone. And their idea is a very good one. Their idea is that people can come to that gym and not feel the pressure, uh, the uneasiness of other gyms that have, you know, muscle heads and big beefy guys grunting when they're deadlifting and, uh, or you have to feel like a supermodel when you're there and everybody wears nice fancy clothes and their shoes match their shorts and their nice little outfit and, every, you know, and, and you don't have to go to a, a gym like that and feel pressure and feel judged. It's, it's for, they call Planet Fitness the, the gym for people who aren't fit yet but who want to be. Kind of implying everybody else is so perfect and fit at all those other gyms. And so they're opening this door to, to normal people who just want to go and work out a gym. I think, I think it's great. And they have banners up that say, you belong. Uh, no judgment. Everyone accepted. That's all well and good, except for this. But let me, I got to read this to you. This is from the CEO of Planet Fitness. He says this, I'm proud that Planet Fitness has always focused on making everyone feel accepted and respected in our clubs. Who do they make feel respected and accepted? Everyone. We are passionate about making sure that our gyms are truly judgment-free and when people feel like they belong and can be themselves, amazing things happen. Hallelujah! Thumbs, that's good. Each of our, here's, here's the tricky part. Each of our clubs also features our iconic lunk alarm. A purple and yellow siren on the wall used to gently remind people that grunting, dropping weights, or judging others is not permitted. I thought everyone was welcome and accepted. Now you're telling me that lunks are not welcome and accepted. Therefore, you're not truly judgment-free. I love this because I think this, is, this exposes how life works. And by the way, Planet Fitness is not bad. Planet Fitness has a lot of cool stuff. They, uh, they have an anti-bullying campaign. Then they instruct boys and girls clubs how, how to accept others and get along with others. I think it's great. 
but I'm just using that as an example of real life. You, we cannot live in a judgment-free world. There is no such thing. Because if you say nobody can have judgment, you have to judge the person who has judgment. And that makes you a hypocrite. It's just, it's hard. It's hard. I get what they're doing. It, it, that's great. But I'm just making the point. Even socially, even in our world, in our circles, uh, it's, there's no such thing as no judgment. So look at this Bible verse from 2 Thessalonians 1. It says it right here. God's judgment is right. Instead of no judgment, let's practice and teach right judgment. No judgment doesn't work. Right judgment works, and it's fair, and it's godly, and it follows the guidance and principles of our God. God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Listen, suffering for sin is done. Jesus did it, but suffering still happens, not for sin, but for God's kingdom. I suffer for Jesus who suffered for me, but for different reasons. He suffered for my sin. I suffer for his kingdom so that his gospel can be spread, so his will can be done, so I'm following him. And then he mentions that here in Matthew 25 when he talks about feeding the hungry and visiting the sick and right, letting, letting strangers into your home. That suffering for the kingdom it's you as a parent giving up your busy schedule to teach your children to pray and to love people of all colors. It's delivering a meal to a family in church who's experiencing trouble or crisis or visiting someone who can't make it to church or who is sick. It, it's little things. It's doing laundry for your family or whatever your chores in the household happen to be. And maybe it's going to work. Maybe it's staying at home. Maybe it's fixing something at home. Maybe it's getting out of your wife's hair so she can accomplish something at home. It's those little things. It's taking your turn to bring Oreo cookies for a snack in church on Sunday. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, Jesus says, you did me. Those will be Jesus' words to you on Judgment Day. He's not going to project all of your sins up on the big screen. He's not going to find a little black book and tell you everything you've ever did wrong. He's actually going to show the good stuff that you did. And you're going to say, I don't, well, Jesus, I wasn't that good. And he'll say, oh, you were. Because what you did, you did for me. It's like Jesus saying, you did it! And you did it for me. We want to express our thanks, our appreciation for all veterans. We celebrate Veterans Day this weekend. Thank you, veterans, for your service. Uh, and I'm going to close with this. We say all veterans. Not all veterans earn the Congressional Medal of Honor. Not all veterans have a, have a Purple Heart. Not all veterans have awards and trophies. Some of them have only memories, and some of those aren't even pleasant memories. But all of them who are veterans, all of them obeyed orders. All of them were involved in a mission of some kind and, and contributed in their way, in their role, for the success of a mission. And so, thank you, veterans. Thank you for all those little things that all of you did that, that all piled up and combined to mean success and freedom for our country. Thank you, veterans.
And, and so we can say to you, veterans, thank you for your good deeds. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you for your service. And Jesus says the same thing to us on Judgment Day. And we say the same thing to him. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, Judgment Day, it's going to be great. We don't even understand how great it will be because we think that we'll miss too many things and people and activities on this planet. But heaven will be so perfect, we won't, we won't miss it in the least. Thank you for your guidance, for your grace that is expressed to us and you as judge coming down from the bench and you as king coming down from the throne to give us the hug of forgiveness forever. Help us to look forward to Judgment Day with joy and confidence. Make it something that we talk about more freely and share with our friends that they might come to know you not as a scary lion, but as a superhero lion and savior of the world. Amen.